Amen. Thank you, orchestra. Praise the Lord. Let's stand and take our Bibles, please. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, please. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, please be kind enough to share your Bible with them and help them find their place. John chapter 4. I want you to go to verse 4 with me and then put your finger in John 15. We're going to read that tonight as well. John chapter 4. Pray for the orchestra. Thursday and Friday, they are doing their recording, their portion of the recording for the choir orchestra's CD. And do you be much in prayer for the Lord to really just enable them and help them. And uh, we'll get this all completed. And then pretty much in the hands of Faith Music Missions for Brother Russ and Brother Chamberlain to just do all the things they need to do with it to get it ready. So you pray that we'll be able to do maybe as early as the January 21st, 22nd, 2019 release or somewhere around that first quarter. We want to just have that. And I want to be able to put that in the hands of every new person that we meet and to try to touch lives. Of course, be an encouragement to our church there. Say amen if you're in John chapter 4. Verse 4. And he must needs go through Samaria. And he cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Many believe that that may have been Shechem. You read about Joseph having his flocks there in Shechem. That may have been Shechem there. Now Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and was about the sixth hour. And there cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us of the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Turn with me to John chapter 15, and I'd like you to read verse 16 with me tonight. John 15, 16. If you don't have an English Bible, you can read it in the language you have. That's fine. But John 15, as long as you don't speak in tongues, amen? John 15, 16, amen? John 15, 16. Are you there? Let's read it together. Read it clearly and distinctly like the Bible says they did in Nehemiah chapter 8. All together. Ye have not chosen me and ordained you that and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever shall ask of the Father in my name he may give it you. Tonight I want to just talk to you about the the model example of our Lord Jesus Christ that he gives us in John chapter 4. The model example of how we can be personal soul winners and have fruit that remains. I want you to notice tonight Jesus is at a well. And I want to encourage you tonight about the well that never runs dry. The well that just keeps overflowing and flowing over with living water. And we want to go to that well tonight and see from the master soul winner how you and I can be effectively used of God in reaching people for Christ. 
Father, we thank you today for all that you've done. Thank you for the uh, people that came to church this morning, folks here tonight. And you know, Lord, tonight we just need you to love us through your word. Jesus prayed this prayer, sanctify thy people through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And tonight I do pray the same, that God you sanctify us through the truth of the word of God. People, all of us, need to hear truth. We don't need to hear stories. We need the truth of the word of God. The truth sets people free. The truth is what's real. The truth is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And tonight, Lord, we just pray as we lift up the banner and lift up Christ and lift up this, 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 this wonderful story here about Christ who's the living water. God, I just pray that you'd even bring back memories of our own personal salvation to us on that day and that moment when we trusted Christ as our Savior, on that significant day when we entered into the family of God. And even tonight, as we study this and just go over some just some basic nuts and bolts tonight about how we can be effective soul for Christ, I'm reminded tonight that maybe there may be somebody here tonight who's not truly saved. They're not truly born again. They don't know what it means to be saved. And maybe just as we read and study this tonight, that, Lord, that their hearts would be touched as this woman's heart was about being saved. I thank you tonight. We've seen so clearly, Lord, that the hardest sinner can get saved by the power of the gospel. There's no one the gospel cannot save. And God, we thank you that you reach from the uttermost to the guttermost, as one preacher would say. And tonight, we thank you for a Savior who never ceases to save. And a Savior who died on the cross for all of our sins. And a Savior who offers living water to every person who believes on Him. Thank you for the opportunity to put our faith and belief in Christ as Savior. Tonight, would you just take away the distractions and remove, God, all the different things maybe going in our hearts and minds and maybe the burdens we have. And tonight, to the glory of God, we ask you this evening that you would just transform us into being personal, effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for many in this church who are so winning and doing their part, Lord, for the, for the gospel's sake. And thank you for many, Lord, who have learned over the years how to be an effective soul winner, but maybe have gotten a little bit rusty or just maybe just... Just things are getting busy and so forth. And tonight we just want you to just have your way in this matter. Realizing this was the heartbeat that you have and our Savior had when he was on earth. And this should be the heartbeat that we have. And so, Lord, tonight we know that with this new building coming up, uh, being opened up, it's an opportunity for us to fill it. And and I'm just, Lord, I'm just, my, my heart is just... Uh, jumping out of my chest right now, thinking about the opportunity of impacting this area, God, this San Francisco Bay area, and the potential of an additional 600 people that we can fit inside that building. And then with that, just the fact that the main original building, Lord, has the potential of another five or 600 people that we can put into there, plus this room here. And Father, we want to be good stewards of that and reaching souls for Christ. And Lord, making disciples of Jesus Christ. And so tonight, would you help me this evening? I want to be so sensitive to your leading. And I want to be so used of you tonight that, Lord, you speak to your people's hearts. And uh, God is the chief shepherd and bishop of our souls. We pray that you make us perfect and complete to do the will of God. And we know your will is that sinners would be saved. And so tonight, draw us closer to you. Help us that you touch our tongues and our lives. And most importantly, our hearts and our feet. Because the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of them that, that preach the gospel of peace. And so we want to take the gospel as far as we can, wherever we can, because that's your heartbeat in reaching people for Christ. And we pray these things of you tonight in the precious, wonderful name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people say, Amen. You may be seated. We're in this series that we're taking right out of John fifteen sixteen, entitled, Fruit That Remains. 
We want long-lasting fruit. This is summertime. This is the time of the year that I'm thankful for church members who have their own fruit orchards, if you would, in their backyard. And we get boxes of fruit every week. Today, somebody left me a box of Santa Rosa plums. Thank you, whoever left that to me. That's a blessing. And the other day, someone gave me a box of figs. Thank you for that. That's a blessing. And we got apricots a few weeks before. I don't have any more room for fruit, but just keep on bringing it. Amen? And uh, if I could have my way, I would have fruit that remains all the time. Just keep your durian to yourself unless it's frozen. Amen? Uh, just, you know, just a thought there for you on that tonight. But uh, we're thankful for fruit that remains. And uh, we're, we know we're just thankful that God wants us to be people that have fruit that abounds in our lives. And God wants us to have fruits of righteousness in our lives. And God wants us to have fruit that remains. Now, fruit that remains is that when we lead a person to Christ, we want them in the church. And not only in the church, we want them to be obedient to the Lord, follow the Lord in a scriptural baptism, and making disciples of Jesus Christ. I've said this before, and I'm going to keep saying it over and over again until it's ingrained in our hearts. We are not in just in the process of taking people through a discipleship program. My heartbeat is the heartbeat of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has called us to make disciples. There's a difference from going through a discipleship process and becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. Discipleship implies commitment. Discipleship implies Following after the Lord. I pray your heart's desire tonight, being here on a Sunday night, is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You've got to bear your cross. You've got to carry your cross after Jesus Christ. You've got to determine that your life means nothing to you, and all that matters to you about life is the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're looking at that tonight in this series. Now I have a threefold goal for you in this series. Would you write this down if it's not in your notes? Would you write this down? Number one, my first goal is to involve every member in being an effective witness and soul winner for the Lord. My first goal is to involve every member to be an effective witness and so wonderful. Now, now, the first thought comes to a lot of people's mind. Well, does that mean I've got to come to organize so many? Well, it does mean you should come to organize so many, but I realize there's scheduling conflict. We all have different things. Some of you here tonight, you have work schedules where you work maybe graveyard shifts and evening shifts. And I know a lot of our folks are in the healthcare industry or some industries where they do 12 to 14 hour shifts and just a number of things. Like that. I understand that. And, you, and it precludes you from me or some of those organized times which includes this coming Wednesday at 10.30 and Saturday mornings at 9.45. I understand that. And maybe you can't even schedule during the week with one of us at the staff. But it does mean this. You can be a witness to the people God's put in your life. Amen? You can be a witness with that. I just praise the Lord. I shared this morning. I'll share again. Brother Eddie Higante contacted me last night. I was at a wedding banquet last night, and at 8 o'clock, I was just, just getting to my meal last night, and, and just, you know, the, the, this, he sent this message in this long, this long uh, uh, snapshot he gave me of a high school friend who's battling for her life. She's got even just stage 4, I mean, it's spreading, stage 4 cancer, just a very, very, t- uh, just a very difficult situation. And in the Philippines there, they, she's exhausted all her money. They're trying to raise money for that. And, you know, just touched my heart about that situation. And then he said he sent a follow-up message out. He said, Pastor, I, I made a copy of our gospel track of our church invitation. And I sent it to her, and she's reading it. And I said, Brother Eddie, I said, it's important that we just get her more than reading it. I just want to work past this right now. And he, I said, look, let, let's try to get her saved tonight. And we're going back and forth. I was giving instructions, typing instructions what to do. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know how to Facebook. You guys know how to Facebook. I don't want to learn how to Facebook. i got too many things I have to learn already. I don't want to learn one more thing like that. Amen? Just I don't have time for that. You guys do that. That's what I, I have you guys there for. Amen? And so, you know, just make sure it's the right kind of Facebook stuff, amen? And so, anyway, so I just getting to him, he's messaging her and messaging her and back and forth. I laid out everything, telling him what she needs to do. 
And then he said, Pastor, she just texted me back and she's on so much medication. She's starting to feel groggy right now and she's falling asleep. And, and I said, oh man, I said, Eddie, we, we got to get a hold of this right now. We got to just press her. Let the Holy Spirit work in her heart. She's reading this. The Spirit's convicting her right now. And I said, listen, I don't want Satan to snatch that precious seed out of her heart. I mean, understand that tonight. Amen. You get, so, you sow the seed of the word and you don't want Satan to come and snatch that precious seed out of the heart. And so, so he said, well, I think she's kind of falling asleep there. So I said, okay, keep trying. I said, just let me know what happens. Well, I got home about 10.15, something like that, last night, 10.15, 10.30, and I looked at my phone, I had a message from him, and he gave me a snapshot of what she said. Bottom line was this, she had trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior, you know? And our goal is not just through that, we want to see through this, that whatever time the Lord gives her, and we're praying that God will do a miracle in her life, but whatever time God gives her, that through this, that this would re- resound as a, as, a, as a miracle in people's eyes, and realizing Jesus Christ saves. So, you know, you can be a witness just like that was last night, and you can be a witness at a restaurant. I've gone many times to restaurants and i've given a gospel track out and uh and i'll, and I'll just engage a conversation with them and i and I, I say this all the time i say listen we're just x minutes away uh sometimes i take a preacher out to texas roadhouse after ch- after church on sundays and i know the music's down and all that but they, they you know they got a cheap steak and i can get in there real fast amen you know and so we can get in there and and i'll tell you the waiter waitress i say hey i said i'm 15 minutes from you i'm a straight shot north of where you're at right now i'd love to have you come to my church i said when are you off I pay. I said, when are you off? I said, well, you can, and they'll say, well, I work Sunday, but they're almost all the time, they're off on an evening, and I just said, well, why don't you come to our evening service? And by the way, trump up every service we have is an opportunity to get people to come to church, amen? It's always an opportunity. And so, you know, I'll tell them to come to that, and we'll go to different places. And my wife, for years, she uses her piano ministry with her students to invite families to church, and our youth group actually got, first youth group we had started with just some of those piano students that she had there. And she, she's probably better, much better witness than me, just trying to get people there, and, and so forth. So I just encourage you, there's opportunities God gives you everywhere all the time. We just have to be alert to that. So number one, I'm going to involve every member to be an effective witness and soul winner for the Lord. Now, I want to tell you tonight, when church is over, you want to come to me or one of the staff members or to my wife and say, you know what? God's spoken to my heart. I can do more. Would you help me to become, would you help get me enrolled or involved in soul winning? We want to help you with that. That's what the church is for. Number two, my goal is to enroll and instruct new soul winners. Now, if you're not enrolled in our, in our soul winning class, you need to enroll. If you've gotten rusty, you need to enroll. You need to get in there and learn the nuts and bolts of it. We're giving proven techniques that work with the power of the Holy Spirit working through that. We're asking God. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Techniques without the power of God are meaningless. They don't work, okay? Your personality and my personality, I don't care how winsome you are, I don't care how beautiful and pearly white your teeth are and how beautiful your smile is, without the power of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't work. You've got to have God's power in it. It doesn't work, okay? So I want to encourage you, if you're not involved, we can take the shyest person and help you go from being shy to being bold in Jesus Christ. And I've got some message to talk about boldness. I want you to learn it there and, and get, learn it. And we're going to just, even through, through our adult growth groups, we're just going to have a, we're going to probably have a four-week series just to help uh, the adult, adult growth group members as we're trying to enroll, you know, a, a bunch of new people. I've got 160 people out there right now that are not in the adult Sunday school. And I want to get at least 40 to 50 on this first run to get involved there that's that's a new class right there so we're, i want you to i want you to learn that and and be effective because you know you never know it's kind of like crystal williams when her mother got diagnosed with cancer the first thing crystal williams did she drove down to fresno give the gospel to her mother led her mother to christ just a month ago 
You know, and she went through just she went through this whole process trying trying to learn it, and she got it down really well. And we just showed her just a simple way, we the pathway. And she went there and talked to her mother, and she called. She sent me a text message, right? And she passed. I want to let you know, my mother just got saved. Amen. So I just want to hear you about that. Number three. Number three, want to involve you, everybody in the church. Number number two, want to enroll, instruct. And we said number three, I want to instruct and encourage all existing soul winners. Everyone who, had, who knows how to do the Roman road or can work off Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, or the Gospel of John. And let me just say tonight, the Romans road is not the only means. I can lead a person to Christ from Isaiah 53. By the way, I can lead a person to Christ from Genesis 22 on the example of, of Isaac, I, uh, Abraham and Isaac, okay? I, I've done that with many, many verses. I can lead them to Christ on, on, on 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Uh, for Christ has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring them to God. Listen, but I want to tell you tonight, you need, you need a starting point. You need a starting point. You need a process. You understand. The Romans road, God gave us the Romans road as a starting point to help you think through the process. You always need, listen to me tonight, you always need to be one to two steps ahead of the sinner. You need to know how to anticipate questions. Now, I'm going to make available for some of you who don't have it, the classic soul winner's New Testament. That's a good tool for you to have, especially for those of you who are just kind of struggling about, what if they show me, ask this question. The classic soul winner's New Testament is loaded on the back end of it with answers to Every question that you could be asked. It's a wonderful New Testament. They're about $20 each. You need to carry that with you. In fact, some of you carry these large, large Bibles. I'm thankful for that. But they already know what you're about. And they think you're a Jehovah Witness by the time you get to the door. You need to carry a classic Soul Winner's New Testament and use that very effectively. And then if you run to trouble, you can study the back. It can, can give you the scripture verses to take them. Like if they want to procrastinate. Or what about this? And what about that? Things like that. But here's what I'm saying. I want to encourage everyone who's involved in Soul Winning. My, my heart's desire for you is this. That you say, Lord, I can be better than what I am. I want to be more proficient. I want to be used of God. I want, I want God to help me to just be used of God. And I'm not talking about taking through a formula. I'm not talking about how many, how many notches you're going to have on your belt. We're not talking about that. We're talking about life and death. You might not get another opportunity to get the gospel to that person. You want to get it to them so they know for sure they're going to get saved. I told my wife this about Lori Johns. I said, I said, honey, I said, we better go there tomorrow right after we got the news. I said, we only get one shot of this. Yesterday, we're witnessing to a family. I've been, I've been trying for eight, nine months to try to get this man nailed down. And finally, he gave us, he called me. I was thankful for that. I've been praying about over that verse, you know, a man's heart directed his way, but the Lord, the Lord, a man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directed the steps and God directed my steps. He made the appointment with me and we got to spend some time just, you know, chit-chatting with the family for about an hour or so, just kind of working through things and we needed to do through that. And we, he started telling us about, about his testimony, things of that nature. And then right after that, but after that, I said, listen, we may not get another. I told my wife, I said, we may not get another attorney. I said, I want his wife to come in here so we get the gospel to her. And she sat down, I mean, just within inches of my wife. We presented the gospel plan. She was ready to get saved. And he listened very intently and thought, man, you know, I don't even know if I'm really saved. He said, I, I thought I was saved. He said, I want you to go. He said, I want to be sure I'm saved today. He got his assurance of salvation yesterday. I'm just saying that you never know if you leave somebody's place what will happen there. You want to treat every visit as if it's the last time you'll ever visit them. So I want to encourage all of us through these series of messages to become proficient. Please take good notes. I, I, I will know as I'm going through this who God's going to use and who God's not going to use. Because if you're not taking good news, that's telling me and telling God you're not really interested in improving on where you're at there. And I just want to encourage you and I, I'm not going. I'm not going to chastise you anything like that. But it does tell me kind of where your heart is on that. And I tell you, I, I go to I, when I listen to someone like Paul Chapel tell how they win souls or Arbulet. I'm taking notes. 
I'm taking notes because I, I want to. There's something they're going to teach me that I didn't learn for. I was with I was with uh, with brother uh, Mike Norris and I was taking some notes. With him. I was with another preacher taking some notes. We're just exchanging notes about what we do on these situations. And I'm just telling you, you got to learn. You can always improve on that. And none of us have. By the way, the Bible says none of us have attained. None of us reach that place. We've got to realize we've never attained. We've got to just trust the Lord there, okay? So I want you to do that. Now, Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And what's the rest of it say? I, I, I can't hear a thing. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And the rest of it says? When his souls is? Why, that's a good thing to do. John 15, 16, we read that already. He wants us to have fruit that remains. Now, notice our passage, and I need to get right in because I've got a lot of content to give you. It's a teaching message tonight. Number one, Jesus was a soul winner. Say that together with me tonight. Jesus was a soul winner. Say it with me tonight. Jesus was a soul winner. Was he not? This is a soul winning, this is a soul winning passage here. Okay? You, you, need, you and I need to learn from the model soul winner tonight. There's some things I'm not doing and you're not doing, Jesus did in this passage. And may the Holy Spirit convict us that as a model sowing, there's some things we need to do. Secondly, I want to emphasize to you what Philippians 4.9 says. If you don't have that, you know, turn to it, please, tonight. Philippians 4.9, would you turn to it, please? These are two things I want you to get out of tonight besides the goals in, in, in this message. Paul said this. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. What? What? Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Do. That's the secret to success in Christian life. Do it. And the God of peace should be with you. I want you to be a doer of the word and not hearers only. I'm not going to preach something I'm not practicing. I'm not going to preach something that I'm not doing. I, God did not lead me into this series because I had I didn't have I, because I, I didn't have anything to preach. I, I want to finish Second Samuel, but God pressed on my heart for several months, and finally, when we were away for a few days in, in late May, I just said, you know, I got to preach this because we're getting this new building here, and I'm thankful I did because God's validating that the last four or five weeks here on things that are going on. I'm just saying tonight, the things which you've seen and heard me do, I want you to get behind it because that's what God wants us to do. Whose faith follow the Bible says. Now, notice some things tonight. We see an example of how to have fruit that remains. I want to get right into this tonight. We find ourselves at a well. How many understand tonight in the Bible, good things have always happened at a well. Amen? Good things have happened at a well. It was at a well that Hagar found God and called him El Roi, thou God seest me. It was at a well, Abraham at the well of Beersheba, called it Beersheba, and there he called it El Olam, the everlasting God. It was at a well that Isaac met, met his wife. Just a thought for you singles there tonight, amen? It was at a well that Isaac met his wife, Rebecca. It was, it was, uh, it was wells that Isaac re-dug up. He dug up the wells of his father, Abraham. Abraham. It was at a well in Exodus chapter 15, the well called Elam, that there were 12 wells under palm trees that God took care of the 12 tribes of Israel. David had three mighty men. He said, oh, that one would draw me water from the well of Bethlehem. And three men, they, gave, they, they sacrificed their lives to get that water for David. Good things happen at a well in the Bible. And good things happen at this well in John chapter 4. Notice, first of all, if you'll notice verses 4 and 5, we see the first thing in this matter of how to be the fond example of a model soul winner. Notice the first thing is we see a fervent priority. In life, it is important to know your priorities. 
In life, if you know what your priorities are, you know what your direction is, how many know what you're going to do tomorrow morning? How many of you know what your week's going to be like this week? How many already know what your priorities are this week? I know what my priorities are. I've got prior, I know my priorities for the rest of this year. I know my priorities for the rest of my life. How many of you know what your priorities are? Your priorities set your direction. You must know, listen, church should be a priority. Don't, don't get this stuff. Well, I've got this going on. I've got this going on. You make a priority. Just get to church. Be in church. Come on, you guys say amen. Get to church. Be in church. Hey, reading your Bible is a priority. Listen, it's a priority. You must know your priorities. Okay? Now notice this tonight. We look at this. Prioritization is knowing what you're supposed to do. We should have a fervent priority when it comes to winning souls. Look what Jesus said in verse 4. Or the, the writer says, John said, He must needs. That's a priority. He must needs Go through Samaria. Jesus said in verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. Listen, a lot of people are good at starting. A lot of people are not very good at finishing. Whatever you start, finish it. Finish it well. Finish it productive. Finish it to the glory of God. Don't be someone that finishes in the wrong way. Listen, the prayer of most preachers I know today, Brother Fong, pray for me that I finish well. Dr. Sis just turned 85. He says, my greatest prayer is that I finish well. I'm saying to you tonight, let's finish well. We must know that we must do the will of Him that has sent us. Now notice some things about this priority very quickly. There's a directive in that priority. Jesus said, uh, He said He must, the Bible says He must needs go through Superia. I must, now there's a lot of ways he could have gone. He had to go through Samaria. He's going back to Galilee. May I say some things tonight? Sony's not an option. Sony's an obligation. May I tell you tonight, Sony's not a matter of convenience. It must be a matter of conviction. Sony's not about your personality. It's about your priority. John 4, 4 does not say Jesus might go. It says Jesus must go. By the way, if the Savior... The sinless Son of God said, He must needs go through Samaria. What does this say about you and me? He must needs go. There's a directive. There's a directive that we must have in our priority. Notice, secondly, in verse 5, there's a destination in that priority. Then cometh he, circle this word, a city. A city. There are a lot of places he had to go to, but on that day, he must needs go through Samaria to a city called Sychar. Many believe that was old Shechem. Jacob had a well there. He had, a, he had his flocks there. He dug a well. And he gave that well, that land, over to his son Joseph. The Bible tells us there. Listen, there was a well there that was very deep. And Jesus went to a city. He had a destination. He says it was near to the parts of ground that he gave, that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now I want you to understand. Jesus walked a long journey. It was an arduous journey. It was a weary journey as we see. He went there, but he, he, but he, but he went there because that was the way to go. He wanted to go to Galilee and he had to go through Samaria to do that. Let me say this tonight. Listen, write this down. There are no shortcuts to soul winning. There are no shortcuts to soul winning. Now, if you're trying to find the easy way, there is no easy way. There is no easy pathway. There are no shortcuts to soul winning. We're trying to get this coming fall a Bible study and outreach going over at UC Berkeley. And I want more than just a Bible study. I want us to conquer a city within a city. But I'm going to tell you, as I've challenged Brother Erwin and I challenge our college students, there are no shortcuts to getting this done. There's going to have to be prayer. There's going to be after fasting. I mean, how many understand tonight, UC Berkeley, there's more than just professors and academics. There's demonization going around that campus. Amen. 
There's demonization going on. We battle with, we don't, we, we're not dealing with flesh and blood. We're dealing with principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness of this world, a spiritual wickedness, high places. We must understand we're not dealing with flesh and blood. We're dealing with spiritual warfare right now. And so as we consider that tonight, we must understand there is no shortcut to winning souls. Now let me give you some things. When we consider the destination, our destination is the, San, the greater San Francisco Bay Area. And there's many things I thank God for every day. I'm thankful for pastoring. I love pastoring. I'm thankful for it. I don't know if I like the gray hair that goes with it, but I'm thankful for pastoring. Amen. I'm thankful for getting the opportunity to serve the Lord and serve people. But I'll tell you this. I know one thing. God has, I tell God this every day. I said, thank you, Lord, for putting us in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I pray over all of our cities many times during the week, and sometimes many times during the day, thanking God for these cities. We must needs go through these cities. We must take our cities by storm. And I'm going to tell you tonight, I'm thankful for the influence of San, that we have in San Leandro, but we've barely touched the hem of garment. There's still more to be done. And I'm thankful for the influence we have over in San Lorenzo, but there's still more to be done. And I'm thankful for our teams that have been working very, very diligently and trying to wish through Castor Valley. And we're just hitting some, so, <laughs> we're hitting a lot of roadblocks there, but thank God I, we're not going to stop. Amen. We're going to keep going at it. And I'm thankful we've just started going back into Oakland on the avenues there. And man, we're, we're just seeing God open some doors or we're in some kind of a difficult areas there. But difficult areas need a Savior that can save them. Amen? And we just need to go there and take the gospel and help people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So there's a destination. But notice verse 6. Verse 6 says something very interesting to us tonight. In this priority, there is a destination. There is a directive. But notice, thirdly, in this priority, there's a determination. Now notice in verse 6 here, the Bible says something very interesting. Now Jacob's well was there. Now, there was a, a point of interest everybody knew about. Jesus, therefore, notice this next phrase, being wearied with his journey. Do you get weary? Do you get tired? Yeah, sure you do. You get weary, you get tired. Being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. There's a determination. You will get weary in the work of God, but just keep on going. Amen? You're going to get weary and well-doing, but the Bible says, be not weary and well-doing. Have determination. Have resilience. Don't be easy discouraged. Hey, you might go six months before you see someone call upon the Lord to save them. You might be praying for the same... Hey, listen. Cindy Wong wrote this down. She prayed for her father to get saved for 19 years. He got saved on Friday. We're the, he's next on our list to get into church, to get him on a regular. I think that'll help help her mother get her. But she prayed for night. And as, she, as her father's listening to the gospel, and he was responding back with us, being very, very responsive to us, and as he was ready to get saved, tears are flowing down Cindy's face because she's burdened and praying for her father to get saved like many of you are. And we've got a, every, every one of these parents is on my target list right now. They're on my target list. You're on my hit list to, to get them, to get them to the Savior there. Listen, I'm telling you, you you've got it. You, but you're going to get weary at this. You're going to get weary praying for 19 years. I've got a sister that's not saved. At six years of age, she told a VBS teacher, I'm not interested in getting saved. Six years of age. And now many years later, she's still gospel hearted. But I'm still, I'm not giving up. I'm praying for my sister to get saved. Pray for my brothers in town to get saved. I'm saying tonight, don't, don't get weary while doing it. Jesus got worried, but he sat on the well. Hey, listen, when you get weary, what you need to do is get down into the well and draw deeply from that water and get your life refreshed, amen? And get revived in the Lord. There must be determination. Keep going, if you would. Jesus was determined. Now notice, there's the discipline in the priority. Priorities can quickly become non-priorities. Priorities can quickly become not important. There's a discipline. That's a word most people don't want to hear. That's a word most people don't want to practice. That's a word that's got many configurations as far as what, what is discipline means. Listen, you must schedule to go soul winning. 
You must schedule to go sow and if you don't, what gets scheduled gets done. If you don't schedule, it's not going to get done. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, you've got to figure out what's important to you and you work everything around. There are some days, listen, there, listen I, starting that, the, 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 another so many time on Wednesday, that cuts into just other things I've, I need to do, but I've just determined if I've got to get up an hour earlier, it's going to be hard. I'm going to get up an hour earlier. If I've got to get up two hours earlier, I'm going to get up two hours earlier. Whatever it takes, I'm going, to, I'm going to squeeze everything I can to get it done there, and we just need to decide what's important. Now, there's a lot of things important, but I'll tell you this. Hanging out at Starbucks, drinking a coffee, zipping away, and having a good time there, that's okay, but if you're doing that every day, I would suggest to you what gets scheduled gets done. Schedule so many your schedule, amen? Scheduled to practice what to say. Stand in front of the mirror and talk to yourself, all right? You know what's good about that? You see yourself, but the mirror can't talk back to you, amen? Just talk to yourself. Practice it. Get somebody who will be very, very helpful to you in helping you to learn how to practice that. Schedule to improve your so many efforts. Schedule to practice what to say. Uh, keep notes on every contact and every visit. I scroll through that weekly. Who did I see recently? Who do I need to go back to? Who's on my follow-up list? And I've got a lot on my follow-up list right now. Who do I need to go back to see? And who do I need to call? And how many text messages am I going to send? And what's going on? And all of you guys who are going to be part of this adult, these growth groups, or involved in that as teachers and workers and so forth. You've got to understand something. You, if you're not taking good notes and you're not staying on it, listen, the old model of just teaching a lesson, show up, teach a lesson, that's all great, but people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. If I wind up calling them, finding out that you didn't even touch them one time during the week, you're not doing your job. Show that you've got some interest in people's lives. I'm saying tonight, you know, what schedule, schedule, you can keep notes of every content. Commit the people you meet to prayer. Visualize where they're sitting. Visualize where they're at. Ask yourself the question, did I see this person this week? Commit them to prayer. I'm just saying tonight, there's a discipline to our prioritization. Like Jesus did, make so many one of the core disciplines of the Christian life. Number one, we see a fervent priority. Number two, what you notice now, we get to our passage a little bit further. We're going to scroll down a little bit more. Notice we see a fitting prospect. Let me help you with, with some thoughts here tonight, okay? Everyone you meet is a suspect before they become a prospect. Everyone you meet is a suspect before they become a prospect. A suspect means you really don't have a relationship with them. You've not met them. You've not engaged with them. You've not given the gospel one time. Now, there's many ways I could amplify this. I'm not going to do a diatribe on this whole thing about prospect. But let me tell you this tonight. To me, for me personally, a prospect is someone that will give me the time of the day to present the gospel to them thoroughly, where I can make a, I can make a clear invitation to them to hear the gospel. And if they get saved or they don't get saved, I have an opportunity to go back and stay in front of them, and I've got a means to get back to them. Now, we'll give you the tools in this, in this teaching session of how you can get back to them and how to keep the fault business going and the many different things to do. But I'm saying a pro- they're not a prospect until you are on a first-name basis with them, and they engage you, and they're willing to talk to you, and you've got to discern, is this person a suspect or prospect? Now, some people, just be real honest, some people want, want to talk to you, and they just want to talk you to death, and they go in circles, and they're really not, they've got to get off on rabbit that is not a prospect until they are really there's a conviction of the Holy Spirit there. There's still a suspect. And some people you go to, they just they say, Yeah, 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 I agree with that, I agree with that. And then they, they say, I want to pray and do that, but there's no change in their life. They don't come to church, they're not interested in things like that. I would tell you tonight, as hard as it sounds like, they're still a suspect. They're still a suspect. And you say, Does that happen to you? It happens to me all the time. But you know what? You just keep on going. 
just keep on going and keep on going after souls and watch what God's going to do there. Hey, he that wins souls is wise. You learn from that situation. So please understand tonight, as a prospect, we're looking at people who give you that time of the day. And let me give you some thoughts about, about the prospect. Would you write this down? Number one, make sure a prospect is real. Make sure the prospect is real. They're real when they give you accurate and truthful contact information. How many understand what I just said there tonight? Amen? We used to do these street fest things. We get all this information. We start calling through. It's all bogus information. They're real if they give you truthful contact information. They're real when they invite you in their home. And God's been working the last several homes I've been in. I didn't even have to initiate. Would you like to come in, Pastor? Would you like to sit down? Would you like, what, what, what can we do for you? They offer you water. They offer you meals. Don't, I, I, say, I politely say thank you very much, and, but not right now. And uh, the, the prospect's real when they let you talk to them about Jesus. And let me tell you something tonight. Listen, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Look up here. Nobody wants to come into a so many presentation being threatening or even offensive. By the way, don't be offensive. We had a, a soul winner many years ago that uh, a, a, a prospect, my wife and I worked on through one of our church members, actually two prospects. They come and, and one of them was very strongly Catholic and just very hardy, but she, man, she was warming up and she was getting that place where we were just were there. And we were with her at ER for one of our church members one night, past midnight one night, and she was just so thankful. And I got her to the car. She locked her keys. It was one of those bad nights. She locked her key out of the car and all this kind of stuff. We stayed with her, helped through all the process there. And the soul winner went to that home, had been there before, and just went in and just, uh, just let me put it this way. I mean, the soul winner, I think, had a good heart, but was very abrasive. And just cut into the person and told them that, you know, bless God, the Pope is going to hell, and blah, 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 and just all this stuff here, and your church is wrong. And, and I got word of that, and I said, oh, my goodness. I said, man, I've worked on this for two years, and I've got to start all over if she'll even let me talk to her. Do not go and be abrasive with people. I don't care how bad they are. God still saves their souls too. And you've got to realize today, you know, we're going there, but I'm going to say tonight, you know, some of us don't want to be offensive, and so we get off on the love of God, but we don't talk about their sin. Listen, you've got to talk about their sin. In other words, what are you doing there? Because God's love does not make sense until they understand they're a sinner. So I'm understanding tonight, the prospect must be real. They're real when they come to church. They're real when they hear the gospel. They're real when you know they trust you. Number two, what you notice is a prospect must be real. Prospects must be reached. Now I'm going to tell you something tonight that might sound rather dumb, but they're not going to come to you. You've got to go to them. Did you hear what I said tonight? They're not coming to you. You've got to go to them. You say, well, you know, I want to do it this way. That Listen, this, when, when you've paid your dues and you've knocked on hun- several hundred doors, several thousand doors, and, and you're keeping prosperity and you've had doors shut in your face, and they tell you no, when you've paid your dues, they might come to you. But until then, that's a long ways off. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. It might take, if you're really serious about being a, a, a someone just like the Lord Jesus Christ, it may take the average person here three years to five years. If you do it consistently, three to five years to even get to that level where God could even trust you with those prospects. Because I'm going to tell you, God must be able to trust you too. By the how many believe tonight God loves the sinner more than you and I can ever love the sinner. Amen? So, when they're being reached, can I say this to you tonight? We develop prospects through door-to-door sewing. And I love door-to-door sewing for no other reason. It just keeps me sharp. Amen? 
And I kind of know the heartbeat of our community. And I kind of know what's going on. Hey, down the street here, just for our, 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 our Easter musical, I, I hit all these streets down here, just down here on, on Merced. Man, they've been on my heart here. I mean, I, I, I talk to these people. I got FaceTime with them. And I said, and here's what I left them. I will be back. I will be back. I said, I'm coming back. And I said, I just want you to be I said, remember who I am. My hair might be a little bit more gray next time, but I will be back. Okay? Praise God, at least I'll have some here. Amen. So I said, uh, door-to-door soul winning, social events, introductions, classes you take, business events, family get-together. See, everything God puts your way is an opportunity developing a nest, a prospect you're going to reach for the Lord. Now, just like fishing, we must have several fish hooks on the line. You've got to have several lines out. I took several folks uh, that were recently visiting with our church over to Land's End. And there's a point at Land's End where the same fisherman is there at Land's End at the same time around 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock at night. He's got several poles lined out. I know he's catching stuff. I can see the way he's positioned the poles. He's got several poles out there ready. And I, and I told Brother Gene this, Brother Jeremy Gene, and I told Brother Brinkman, I said, see that man down there? He's there every day at this time catching the fish. I said, but you notice, here's the thing. Here's a good sermon illustration. And look how many poles he's got out there. Look how many lines he's got there. He's not trying trusting in one line to get it done. If you're just trusting in one line to get it done, you're not going to see anything happen. You've got to have a lot of fish lines out. You've got to have a lot of fish lines. First time I went deep sea fishing, went with a bunch of business guys. They did a half-day charter. Went out this many, many years ago. Half-day charter. I had never done this before. I was afraid I was getting my line all tangled up. I'm not an expert like Brother Arnold there. I just, I just know how to drop the line and wait for the fish to bite, and I can reel them in. Amen? And I, they, they just told me about all the hooks and what to do, how not to get your thing snagged. We were down in Monterey, and I had several hooks. Listen, on my first drop there, I picked up four carp on that on the first drop. I said, man, I'm pretty good at this. Amen? You know? And so I just I had the best catch of the whole day. I just, they just kept on snapping up on my hooks. But I learned something that day. You've got to have a lot of fish hooks. How many hooks do you have out there? Do you even care about having hooks out there? I'm just saying tonight, we've got we've to reach them. Then thirdly, notice, prospects must be ready. They're going to give you the time. You know when they're ready? They give you the time of the day. Now, a lot of people are busy. But God works in unusual circumstances. About two years ago, 2016, July 2016, a year ago this month. Where's Brother Den? Brother Den, you're back there. Brother Den was just learning so much. I took Brother Den with me. And I'm a little bit unconventional. I follow the maps, but I don't follow the maps because I follow the Spirit's leading. I just feel like sometimes I need to follow the Spirit. Now, I'm not telling you to do that. Follow the maps, okay? You said, but Pastor, you said the things you've seen and heard me do. Not tonight, Amen. We went down a street around the corner from church. I've been on the street many times. A lady came to the door. I talked to her many times. She opened the door. Hi, how are you? And I could tell by her face she was in a rush. I gave her the track, told her who we wore. And uh, I was just about to turn my back. I said, by the way, ma'am, I said, what's your first name? She said, Rose. I said, Rose... You know, the Holy Spirit just impressed me asked this question of you. If you die today, are you sure you're going to heaven? She says, you know, it's funny you asked that question. I've been thinking about that for a long time. It's probably the fastest gospel presentation I've ever made, but the Holy Spirit had already been working her heart. She's read some tracts from our church. 20 minutes later, Brother Dan will vouch for me. He'll validate this. 20 minutes later, Rose Mercado at her doorstep bowed her head and trusted Jesus Christ, her Savior. Went back, I saw her mother, said, well, I need to leave, I need to get, I need to get my, my mother to the doctor, she has some blood tests, I said, fine, I said, I'll try to catch you next week. 
And Rose was working that in the following Saturday. And I said, well, I'm going to get Grandma. So I asked Brother, I asked Brother Pingoy to go with this. I said, Brother Josh, how's your, how's your Tagalog? He says, okay. I said, can you witness in Tagalog? He said, I said, I don't want you to be okay. I need to know you can witness in Tagalog. I said, don't blank out on me last minute, brother. We're going to get this lady saved today here. So we went to see Grandma. And Grandma wasn't feeling good. She let us come in. Listen, Brother, brother Josh sat there on the couch. He, he translated for me. Grandma got saved. You know what this morning? Grandma was here. Rose is here. Guess what? A year and a half later, on Christmas Christmas Sunday here, her husband, uh, excuse me, the uh, Christmas Sunday, that 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 uh, Christmas Saturday, that Saturday evening, right before our Christmas musical, her husband Arnold got saved. They both got baptized on the 24th. Guess who else was there on the day that the husband got saved? Her brother Chuck came. He lived in the house in the back. He came in. He saw me. So hi, Pastor, how you doing? I said, Hey, Chuck, come over. Sit next to me. He sat next to me. Chuck trusted Jesus Christ. You know, all four of them were here today. You know what they did last the last two weeks? They went around the corner on Drake Street. They went on Drake Street around the corner. They brought Uncle Abraham in. I said, uh, I said, I'm going to meet Uncle Abraham. and start talking to Uncle Abraham. I went to Uncle Abraham's house yesterday. He wasn't home. But I'll tell you what tonight. You know, people, when they, when they see you care about them, and they see there's something going on with that, you know what? They may not know how to get the plan of salvation, but th- th- those folks are taking, all these new believers saying, Pastor, would you come and help us win our families to Christ? They must be reached. They must be reached. And listen, they must be ready. Look what's going on here. What time of the day is it when Jesus is witnessing? Six hour of the day. What, what time of the day was it? Twelve noon. What was that like there in Samaria? It was the hottest m- moment of the day. Hottest point of the day. The sun was at its zenith. Hey, listen, nobody, nobody would draw water at 12 noon. You'd either go first thing in the morning or you go later at night when it's cooler. And when the garments they wore, nobody drew water that day except for one woman that went there. Jesus, of course, he's omniscient, knows all things. He went there to, to, to reach that lady there. I'm just saying he knew she would be ready. He already knew what was in her heart. Let me give you some things very quickly to help you know a prospect is ready. One, they must see that you are friendly. When they see that you're friendly to them, they are trusting of you. Secondly, the Protestant must see that you're honest and can be trusted. Now, they can see through you and me. Let me tell you that tonight. They can tell if you're real or disingenuous. They must be able to see that you're honest and can be trusted. They can read through your smile, by the way. Number three, they must see that you are not pretentious or preparing to, to derive something from them. You're, you know, listen, if they think you're trying to get something from them, they're going to turn you out there right off the doorstep immediately. Number four, they must be willing to talk and answer your questions. Number five, they must allow you to be the one in the lead. Now, if they don't let you take the lead, chances are you're going to have to come back and work on that person. Chances are they're stuck in a cult or some religious thing that's got kind of where Satan, Satan's blinded the minds and the believe not. So tonight we must understand these things. We must, we must approach these people and realize that this woman in Samaria, she was real, she was reached, she was ready. But let me give you one other thing about prospects, about, about the, the fitting prospect. Prospects must be refreshed. Now, a lot of us, we have different insecurities. In fact, all of us. And sometimes in those insecurities, what happens with us, we get five or six names and we get content and just say, well, I've got a prospect list. Listen, you've got to refresh that prospect list all the time. You've got to keep it. So what does that mean? If you don't discipline the things I said in the beginning, where you're not knocking the doors and you're not using those social contacts to develop people and things, here's what happens there. That list gets old and it gets crusty and you're leading yourself to believe that you've got a prospect. You've got to keep your prospect list refreshed. Listen, I don't have a month that doesn't go by. I have not refreshed my prospect list with at least 10 new prospects. 
You've got to refresh that process. You've got to keep it fresh. Why? Because that's 10 more people you're going to be burdened to pray for their souls to get saved. Now, I've got a lot of people in the church who will vouch what I'm saying today. You've got to keep it refreshed. You've got to keep it real. If you only showed up once every six months, you don't have enough time to refresh that prospect list. Refresh that prospect. Keep it fresh. Keep it going there for the Lord. So we see the fitting prospect. Number three, we must move very quickly here because, it's because of time. But you notice a third thing. Tonight. Now, I want you to get into the presentation tonight with me. And I'm going to summarize a lot of things, but I want you to see how Jesus gives the gospel presentation tonight. I'm going to give you enough this evening to get you kind of thinking about it, but I want you to go back and study how the master soul winner did it. Would you do that? Now notice number three, what we see. We see the favorable presentation. I want you to study with me for a few moments. That could be the whole message by itself. I'm not going to do that. I want you to notice the favorable presentation. I want you to see how Jesus engaged this woman in conversation to give her an effective witness. Letter A, would you notice the initiation, the introduction. I'm going to read it. There cometh the woman, verse 7, there cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Now what's this woman doing? She's doing her daily routine. She could do it blindfolded. You know the story, and I know the story. <coughs> she went that time of the day because she was ashamed of her life. You just don't know how many people you deal with in life that are ashamed of their life. Listen, I've met a lot of people, by the time they get their 40s and 50s and 60s, and the kind of lifestyles they've lived, and they tell you after a while, they can trust you, they're, they're just ashamed of their lives, and you feel really bad for them. Like, man, just thank God for the grace of God that covers all of our sins, amen, you know? And just thankful that they can know that there's a Savior that loves them and can forgive them all their sins. And, you know, a lot of times people beat themselves up uh, inside because they're thinking, man, I just, could God even forgive me? Could I, you know, people even accept me in a church, things like that? And, and they still even struggle with that when they accept Jesus Christ. Say, by the way, let me tell you tonight, one reason why a lot of people don't come immediately to church is because deep down inside, they know kind of person they were in the past and they struggle with that and if you're not sympathetic to that you'll you'll never get from a to b with these people you have to understand where they're at with these things and they need to know by just by your sincerity if you're really there so notice jesus initiates conversation the woman comes to him and jesus says there give me to drink now let me just give you a commentary on that that doesn't mean you ring the doorbell so can i have a bottle of water that won't work for you there amen it won't work there now, I had a man yesterday. He said, would you like to come in? Can I give you a bottle of water? I said, no, sir, I didn't come for a bottle of water. I came to give you water. Amen. So notice initiation. She, he came. He said, give me a drink. And the Bible says, now in verse 9, Then saith the woman of Samaria to him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now, would you write this down? You know what that woman's saying there? She's taken aback. This Jew who's perspiring, who's sitting on her well, blocking her from getting her water, <laughs> who's tired, says, could you help me get a drink of water out of there? I don't have anything to draw with. She was expecting, would you write this down? She was expecting racial bias and gender bias. You know what's cool about our church? This is only God. We're so multi-ethnic. I have never had any, anybody of any ethnicity ever reject me. That's what's cool about what God's doing here at Heritage Baptist Church. That's, I shouldn't say cool, but that's what's great about God doing through Heritage Baptist. I'm sorry there. But it is cool, amen, you know. Now someone's going to write me, to, Pastor, you used the word cool tonight, and I just want you to know that was not Scripture. You're right, you're right. But I'm, I still used it tonight, amen. 
know what Jesus was doing with that woman? Can I help you? Yes, ma'am. I'm Alan Fong. I'm your neighbor from around the corner here at his Baptist church. He said, what if I'm in the city of Hayward? You're still their neighbor. You just didn't tell them how far away you are, amen? I'm your neighbor from here at his Baptist church. And you know, I, and I do this. I, when I go soul winning, I have kind of just have an idea if our soul winners have been. And by the way, I'm thankful after all these years, our soul winners have been in a lot of areas. And I'm knocking the door and I say, hey. We got, we got, and, I, and if I know if a member lives there, I say, hey, we, we have some of our members live in the area. And I said, I just, it's a beautiful sunshine day. And I just, I just felt like today I wanted to come by this area to let you know about our church because some of your neighbors love our church and come to our church. That, that's a good testimony, by the way, but amen. And just tell me, I'd like you to come to our church and learn about our church. And they're, they're kind of just, I okay, wonder what my neighbors are coming to there, you know. And so you go to the initiation. Uh, I, I, you know, and inviting our neighbors to our kids camp. And our friend, we've got a kids camp coming up and friend day coming up. And look what Jesus is doing at this initiation. He's initiating conversation. Did you notice what he's doing? He's telling you he's thirsty. He's getting her involved. And, you know, he's thirsty and he's sitting on top of her well. And he doesn't have anything to draw the water with. And he needs her help. So he's engaging her. And, you know, sometimes we'll go up to a home and they're doing something. And I see, I, I see their newspaper on the floor. I'll pick it up and say, hey, I know you're busy. I, I thought I'd just pick up your newspaper so it doesn't get wet. I want to put it on your porch. By the way, I'm Pastor Fall from Heritage Baptist Church. Do you have a moment? I mean, just many opportunities like that. Sometimes you hear them. They're not in the front. They're in the backyard there. And I'll, and I'll knock real loud on the, on the fence. So they can hear me. They said, what do you want? And I said, by the way, I just tell them who I am. Listen, God gives you open doors opportunities. You just got to think and ask God for wisdom about what to do. It's 12 noon. It's very hot. She knows he's thirsty. She knows he has nothing to draw. She knows as he's sitting there, hosp- common hospitality that day was, well, at least I, the least I could do is help this man. But she's just kind of taken back in verse 9. Isn't he, isn't he, isn't he going to discriminate against me? Is there going to be some racial bias or some gender bias here? Is he going to be against me on this? And he just, he says, would you give me a drink? And he says it in a very professional and yet a very loving way. He says, ma'am, I, I don't have any water. I have nothing to draw with. Could I? Could you help me get some water here? Could, could you help me with this? And that worked in that day because that's what they would do. In our, in, our, in our culture today, something we would do is just say, ma'am, I'm just coming through the area. I just want you to know that we're from Heritage Baptist Church. And, or I see you have some children there. We've got a great children's ministry I'd like to tell you about for our children's ministry. And I see you've got some teenagers. I said, how are you doing with your teenagers? Listen, every family I go to, when I ask them how they're doing their teenager, they're Saying, they'll say this, I need help. And I said, well, God sent me here to help you. Amen. And we're just telling about what the Bible does and how the Bible can change your lives. And I said, why don't you come to our church and just see what God's doing in the life of some of our teenagers and their families and let God help you through that. So this initiation, you've got to find the point of interest where you're going to initiate conversation with them quickly tonight. Notice, secondly, there's the inquiry or the interest. Now, in verses 10 to 15, we see Jesus getting this conversation. I just want to draw your attention to one one thought here. Look at verse 10. Now, Jesus has gone through the introduction where they've kind of gotten to know each other. The point of interest is a well of water and a thirsty man. And a woman has something to draw with. There's this point, this point of interest. They have something to talk about. So there's, there's a commonality they have. Now Jesus is going to do in verse 10 what I call the, the question that opens up the conversation. But in their culture, it wasn't a question. In the culture, in the me, me, medium of that day, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a question to use. But what I'm going to tell you tonight in verse 10 is equivalent to what we'll say this. Well, thank you for giving me a moment to speak with you. Let me ask you a question. Do you go to church? Where do you go to church? How often do you go to church? Do you go to temple? Where do you go to the temple at? 
You go to a mosque. Where do you go to the mosque at? Tell me about it. Hop and you go. I want to, I want to go right there because most people you meet, they are not, they're traditionalists. They only go one or two times a year or if they're, if they're Muslim, maybe during Ramadan or something like that there. That's when they go, but they're nearly not really into it. They do it because of tradition. How many understand what I'm saying about tradition? Amen. So watch what happens here. You've gone to that and you're trying to lead up to the major question. You know, what percentage are you sure that you're going to heaven? What percentage are you sure? And I'm just saying for the last 15 people I've talked to, none of them said, except for one guy, I'm, uh, all except for one guy said, I, I really don't think I'm going to make it. They said something like, I'm 40% sure, 20% sure, 50% sure. I'm not sure, but I want to know for sure. You want to get to that question there. Now notice what Jesus did in verse 10. Jesus answered, said to her, if thou knewest, and the key thought there is if, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou would have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. And you know what Jesus is doing? Let me, let me paraphrase what Jesus is saying, asked, is saying to this woman, which we would translate into question format. One, would you like to know about the gift of God? Would you like to know about the gift of God? Uh, here's another thing he, he was saying. You might put this in question format. Do you know who it is that has asked you for a drink of water? Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Do you know who it is that's asking you a drink? By the way, how many understand today when we witness, we're introducing Jesus Christ to someone. Amen. We're bringing, we're bringing God who was manifest in the flesh and died on the cross. And we're bringing Jesus to them face to face. Amen. And so there, he's asking, do you know who I am? He's asking this. Do you know what the most important question you should be asking of me? I mean, people need to come to grips with the question. Do you know what the most important question is in life? Uh, he's asking this. Would you like to receive living water? I mean, that kind of intrigued her. I mean, she was going through the ritual of every day, of drawing out water. Every She had to go back to this well every day and draw the water. And how many understand that was strenuous and that was hard and that was difficult. And probably her, her shoulders were aching and her muscles were aching. And she wished, man, I wish some man would do this because this is not for a woman to do. But she went and did it anyway. And then just the thought, living, what do you mean by living water? What is living water? And in their language of that day, that just kind of just jumped out. And that just changed everything in that moment. What do you mean by living water? You know, think about as you pray about you're going witnessing, use terms that are very colorful. Use terms that will catch your attention and things that will help them to understand. That's why Jesus, everything he used as we study the Bible was very colorful with people. Notice something else. Would you like to never be thirsty again? Would you like to know, like, would you like to be guaranteed that heaven's your home? Would you like to know for sure that your sins can be forgiven? Would you like to know that, would you like to know that, that, that God, that, that, that God could prepare a place? I mean, these are the things we're asking. Now watch this, okay? Let me write some things down. Why are we asking the question? Why is there an inquiry? Well, number one, the inquiry is meant to cause concern. The question is meant to cause concern. The inquiry is meant to open the door for the gospel presentation. You're looking for a means to get a favorable discussion with them. The inquiry should lead to a deeper discussion. Now be careful of rabbit trails. This woman could have gone on a rabbit trail with you and me. She had a lot of questions. She had a lot of burdens. She had a lot of skeletons in the closet. She was ready to unload. She had five husbands. The man she was living with was not her husband. This woman's life was empty inside. She was a mess. She was ashamed of her life. She hated her life. 
If she could have taken her life, she would have done that. This woman did not like her life. She dreaded what she had to do. She didn't like what she was down. She was scraping the bottom of the barrel literally in her life. And listen, she could have unloaded. You've got to be very careful. The person wants to unload you and tell you all their problems. And what you have to politely say, listen, I know what you have to tell me is very important. Can we park on that for a minute? Let me tell you why I'm here. Let me tell you the greatest thing that can happen for your life today. And how many believe today the greatest thing can happen to sinners? They get saved. Amen. So that's what we're there to do. And so the, the woman could have done that. Her heart is empty and she's gone through this hot day. And Jesus, look at verse 14. Verse 13. Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Now that got her interest. Whosoever drinketh of this water from this well will thirst again. Now that was a famous well. That was a landmark in Israel, in Samaria. And verse 14, but whosoever, and I love this, how Jesus made the gospel open to anybody. Amen. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him. Now he's declaring his deity in that. He's declaring his authority in that. Whosoever shall drink of the water that I shall give him. Now he's got her interest. What do you have to give me? How can you give me this living water, sir? She had never met him before, but the Holy Spirit's working through these words as he's, as he's, as he's working his way to help her come to realize her need for, for salvation. Whosoever drink of the water that I shall give him shall, watch this, never thirst. What do you mean I'll never thirst? Everybody knows water is the necessity of life. Everybody knows if you don't drink water, you're going to die. Everybody knows you need water for your body. I mean, you're, you're, going, to, you're going to have issues there. He said, he said what, what's, whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, spring up into everlasting life. Man, he's got her attention. He just took in one verse. He powerfully pictured for her how, uh, how Jesus Christ himself could save her life. And he pictured it as that well that he was sitting on that you're in your life. When you drink of that living water, it will it'll transform you into a well of water that will never run dry. He calls it a well of water that will spring up into everlasting life. He says, what's going to happen? Your life will be changed from the inside out. Now that's important because the social gospel says we're going to change you from the outside in. You'll never change someone on the outside in unless they first get saved and trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Give them the clothes, give them the food, but you better give them Jesus first and get them saved before you do all that. Amen. Then notice her, her iniquity. He's getting the introduction. He's created concern through the inquiry. Notice, now he gets to the sin issue. Now, I would tell you, for the majority of us as soon as the hardest part for us is to deal with the sin issue. Because we're walking eggshells, wondering if we're going to be offensive. If you don't deal with the sin issue scripturally and simply and sweetly, you're not going to get the gospel to them. Jesus died for sinners. We must understand how terrible, and I preached about that today from Joshua chapter 7. Sin is terrible. So notice in verses 15 to 18, Jesus transitions the presentation, the big issue, this woman's a sinner. Watch how Jesus does it. Now, I'm not telling you to do it this way, because you have the Bible to do that, but watch how Jesus did it. She's interested. She said, I want this water in verse 15, so I never thirst again. And Jesus said to her, well, go call thy husband and come to come thither. Now, he knew all about her. By the way, aren't you glad tonight that whenever you go on a visit to see somebody, God knows all about the sinner before you did? Amen? And so he knew all about it. He says, go call your husband. Go call your husband. By the way, for every man here in the room, God gives you the opportunity. A lot of times the women are home first. You witness to the women. Let me, let me tell you what's, what's, what's a best practice. Always tell the lady, so if, if you get the, cost, get the chance to do the gospel, do it on the doorstep. 
unless you're with a partner, if they invite you in. I would never go inside there unless, unless you have a partner there. And even then, I would do very cautious with the door open. Okay, But most situations, you'll, you can talk to them at the doorstep. And then what I always do is, listen, when did, what time did your husband come on? I want to come back when your husband's home and get a chance to meet your husband. And that's what Jesus was doing here. He says, go call thy husband. But he had another reason. Look at verse, verse 16. Now, he could see, now we can't see this, but I believe there was a change in her face. And she says this to him, I have no husband, verse 17. And I'm not sure her tone of voice was very bold or very soft. I have a feeling it was very soft. It was kind of like, uh, I don't really have a husband. She was ashamed. She was embarrassed. She was living in sin. And Jesus said this, he declared the truth to her. Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and whom whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that thou saidst truly. Now Jesus got her about her sin issue. Now, here's what I do. I have them read Romans 3, 10 and 11. There's none righteous, no, not one. I have them read Romans 3.23. Sometimes I'll have them read something. I might show them Isaiah 59 verse, uh, verse 2. Your sins are separate between you. Whatever it may be. Okay. But here's my point. Always ask them, do you know what sin is? Could you name me sin? Would you even be willing to tell me your sins? And always ask them, is lying a sin? Being untruthful a sin? I said, do you know what covetousness is? By the way, everybody in this room is guilty of covetousness. Okay? I said, do you know what covetousness is? And I just go through it today with them. And, and, and I'll tell them about uh, James 4.17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And I, and I asked that question. I said, now, if you know what's right to do and you don't do it, it's sin. You're going against your own conscience that God has given you there. And so most people you deal with there, they just there's something about using that, that scripture God uses to convict them of their sin. Listen, Jesus prayed this, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so the word of God is going to affect into their hearts and the truth of God's word speaking to them. So notice she's convicted about her sin. She sees how terrible she is. And so, and then in fact, later on, look at verse 29. Look at her own testimony. She tells the men, the men of the city, come see a man which told me all the things that ever I did. Is not this the cry? She said, he told me all the things that ever I did. I mean, she was convicted that Jesus knew everything about her life and about her sin. And really, he didn't, he didn't have to say much to her. He just said enough that she, she knew he knew all about her. And you want that person to understand. God knows all about them. They, you want them to understand, you're not interested in knowing all about them. That's not your business, my business. But God knows all about them. And we're trying to get them to the Savior. We're not trying to draw disciples to ourselves. If we're trying to draw disciples to ourselves, we have failed in the process. Our goal is to get them to the Savior, to get them to Jesus Christ. They may learn that Jesus can save them from their sin. So we see the iniquity. Now notice in verses 19 25, we're still not done. Notice quickly the intermediary. There's one mediator, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. In verses 19 to 25, watch, and I don't have time to read through it because of time, but Jesus is drawing this woman to himself. Our goal is once they realize they're a sinner, we want to understand there's a consequence for sin. We want them to know that God must punish their sin and punish them. But listen, the good news is God doesn't want them to go to hell. God wants them to be saved. God wants them to know that their God's will is that they go to heaven, but they must come God's way. And they're not going to get to heaven through religion. They're not going to get to heaven through good works. They're going to get to heaven through Jesus Christ tonight. I told Mrs. Johns the other day, I said, Now, Mrs. Johns, I know you're very religious. I said, Could you do me a favor? 
let's forget about religion. Let's forget about religion. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship. Once you get rid of religion, let's talk about the relationship. That's the most important thing. And it started making sense to her. So let me give you some thoughts about the intermediary, okay? What's Jesus doing here in verses 19-25? First, he's telling her he's God come in the flesh. The word Christ is used. Now, tomorrow morning, your devotions, or tonight, would you just take a moment to meditate on the name Christ? Messiah, the anointed one. Do you understand tonight that the word Christ, the name Christ, embodies everything about who Jesus is as deity? It'll change how you pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Embodies who He is. God manifests in the flesh. It, secondly, establishes the importance of faith in Him. The Jews and everyone who knew about Him prophetically were waiting for the Christ. Thirdly, establish that salvation is not restricted to the Jews only, but is available to all who believe. You know, sometimes I talk to people very insecure, and they'll say, well, will God take me? Will I be accepted in your church? And the, question, the answer is, absolutely. Amen? Fourthly, there is the need of a substitute for sin. You read verse 19.25, Jesus emphasized there's a need for a substitute for sins and He was that substitute. So tonight, Jesus is presenting Himself as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I want you to catch a few thoughts very quickly here. Verse 23, The hour cometh and now is. He's drawing her to a close now as speaking about the intermediary. The hour cometh and now is. He's talking about right then and there. She needed to get saved. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship. Now, this is important because he's, 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 he's trying to help her get in her mindset. What does it mean the true worship of God? Listen, if you're not saved and you're going to church, there is no true worship of God. You're just fine tradition. Think with me about it. The typical person who's not saved, they're just going through a repeat pattern. They're repeating the same things. They're going through the ritual. They're thinking that's happening. That's not true worship. That's worshiping off the mind or off, off the flesh. The Bible says that God is a spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. And I want to declare to you tonight, you cannot worship Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth until you've accepted Him as the way, the truth, and the life. Because no man comes to the Father but by Him. And so... He says in verse 23, They that worship, the true worship will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such worship. And he's driving home, listen, God the Father was searching for you before you were looking for Him. He's searching for you. He wants you to be a true worshiper. He wants you to accept Him, uh, to accept Him as, in spirit and in truth. And so she says in verse 25, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. Now she knew enough to know about the Christ. I knew that Messiah cometh, which is Christ. When He's come, He will tell us all things. Now watch this. In the next verse, He gives her the invitation. I that speak unto thee am He. Is not this the Christ? She knew at that moment in time, He says, I'm the Christ. I'm the one that you're looking for. I'm the one that can save your soul. I'm the one that's going to go to the cross for your sin. And by the way, it took great faith at that moment for that woman to accept this man would be the sacrifice and substitute for her sins because he hadn't died yet. It took great faith for many of those people before Jesus died on the cross to accept the fact that His credibility, that He was the Son of God, that He was God manifest of flesh, that He had a sinless life, that He had a virgin birth, that He would die for the sins of all the world. And that woman, she recognizes, she's listening, I know that the Messiah cometh. He said, I that speak unto thee and me, I am the Christ, I am the one. He declared to her His deity and that He would die for her sins. He's giving her right then and there the invitation. <coughs> now quickly, the invitation... 
If we're inviting a person after they've heard this, we want to make sure they understand what's going on. We want them to repeat to us what we've told them. We want to go over with them that they know they're a sinner. Sin must be punished. God punished our sins on His son, through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus rose Him from the dead. And Jesus offers us the free gift of eternal life. When we understand all that, we're saying when that person's ready, we say, well, can you think of any reason today why Jesus Christ should not be your Savior? I give them a reason to back out. Everybody wants to be saved, but they don't want to live for God. I want to start off, can you tell me one reason why it would not be a good idea to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? And he's giving her invitation. I that speak unto thee and me. Now, he said everything needed to be said. He's saying, what are you going to do about it? I'm the one. I'm here in living color. I'm here in the flesh. What are you going to do about it? And the Bible tells us this woman got transformed. I read the story of a of a preacher that an evangelist did a gospel meeting in Ohio. And as they set up a tent, they were preaching the gospel and going away at it. And a man came with his wife and he wasn't saved. As the preacher was just giving the powerful presentation of salvation, this man was convicted in his heart about his need for Christ. And after several days had gone by, he was at home and it was just he and his little daughter. His daughter was probably about nine years old and he was home. He was just pacing back and forth, pacing back and forth. His home, he was very restless. He was under deep conviction of his sin. He knew he needed to get saved, but he just, he just was fighting it and fighting it. And his daughter saw what was going on. His wife had gone to do some shopping and she said this to her father. She said, Daddy, it's amazing she said this. She said, Daddy, if you were thirsty, wouldn't you go and get a drink of water? And he thought about this, and, 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 and the words just kind of got a hold of him, and he thought about the thirst in his soul. And that moment she thought about it, he thought about the preacher's message about living water from this very chapter there. And that moment he said, you know, the preacher told me if I would just bend on my knees and call on the Lord to save me, he'd save me. And that night that man quenched that thirsting soul of his by calling on Jesus, the living water, to come to his heart. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to give an invitation so people receive that living water for their soul. One last thing we're done tonight. Would you notice this real quickly? We see the fervent priority. We see a fitting prospect. We see the faithful presentation. Notice the fruitful product and we're done. But you notice some things about this woman? Number one, would you notice with me in verse 28, would you notice the evidence of this woman's salvation? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men. Now that's very significant. Now many times we'll read then bypasses. The woman left her water pot. She gave evidence she got saved. She gave evidence that Jesus was in her heart. Watch what happens. Her water pot was a symbol of the burdens of her life. Her water pot was a symbol of all she lived for. Her water pot was a symbol of the things she trusted in that could not satisfy. Her water pot was a symbol that the moment that at that before that moment she did not have living water. She had received the living water, which Jesus Christ. She left her water pot. You know what's going on? When a person gets saved, they've got to leave some things to get to Jesus. When they get saved, they're leaving the old life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's the new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. They've got to realize they're going to have to just change. There's some things to change. 
change their life. They're not going to live the same life. They're not going to repeat the same sin. They're not going down the same pathway. They're, they're saved. They're latching onto Jesus. This woman left her water pot. The evidence is that the person's got to leave the water pot of their life, their burdens behind, and realize that now they've got the living water. We see the evidence. Notice verse 29, her enthusiasm. Come. See, a man which told me all things that ever I did is not this to Christ. Brother Lewis and I led his, his, uh, his cousin and her husband to Christ two Wednesdays ago. And uh, she came for the very first time. And she sat over here. Uh, Eliza sat over here on my left. And she sat there. And she came forward to give her profession of faith with, with the Bolarios. And then I, I sent him a message after. I said, well, how did she like it? And I said, was she, did she okay with church? Was it too overwhelming or whatever? And this is the response back to me. Pastor, she loved it. She can't wait. Her husband works on Sunday morning. She wants her husband. To, they're going to start coming on Sunday nights as well, starting next Sunday night. Because she's, I want my husband to, got, to get what I got today. That's what you want people to say. You want to be like the Mercados. The whole family comes. You want to be like Kathy Mercado's uh, mom and dad who got saved a few weeks ago and were sitting right here at the front. I'm saying today, you want them to catch it. You want them to get in their heart. Was there? There's enthusiasm. This woman said, Come. She may not know how to give the gospel presentation, but she can lead them to the same water that they can drink from. Come, see a man which told me all the things that ever I did. She said, is this not the Christ? She's enthusiastic. Now let me pause and ask a question. Are you enthusiastic about Jesus? Are you as enthusiastic today as you first got saved? Are you as enthusiastic today as, you, as, as the, the best time that you're ever enthusiastic? Do you have the enthusiasm of a new believer? She demonstrates a life that has been forgiven. She demonstrates joy. Then finally tonight, would you notice one last thing in verse 29, verse 41 and 42? And I'm not going to preach it tonight, but would you, notice, would you notice this? We see her evidence. We see her enthusiasm. Would you notice her evangelism? You know, first thing she does, she didn't enroll in discipleship. What did she do? First thing she did, she brought people that she knew to come know Jesus. Amen. They knew what kind of life she was. She knew how empty she was. She knew she was a she was a shell of a person. Come see a man. Which told me all the things ever I did. It's not this a Christ. And later on, watch this. As we read chapter 4, it tells us that many men believed. It says in verse 39, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that ever did. Now watch this and I'm done. Jesus simply went there for one woman. She was the catalyst for the men of Sychar getting saved. She established a monument there as a testimony of Jesus Christ. And many more men, we read in verse 41 and 42, many more men believe because they believed on the word of Jesus Christ. She set the tone, she made a way so that Jesus could be proclaimed. Hey, Paul did the same thing at Philippi. A woman by the name of Lydia got saved and she opened her home up so that the church could start there in Philippi. And many got saved. And you know this from your studies in the New Testament. One of the great churches of the first century was the church at Philippi. In fact, I, I love Philippians 1.1. It talked about an organized church that Paul wrote to there. It was a church that had a membership. It was a church that had a pastor. It was a church that had deacons. It was a church that was well organized and constituted and was preaching the gospel. But I'll tell you something. It all began because of one woman who opened heart. You just never know who you're going to lead to Christ, who God can use for His glory. Glory. Tonight, may I, may I just give you an invitation this evening? Jesus said, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go, bear, go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, that will I do for you. Would you pray for souls to be saved? 
You would pray for your life, that God would help you to abide closer to Him. You abide in me, and my words abide in you. Show us what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Here it is, my Father, glorify it, that you bear much fruit. John 15, 7 and 8. Would you just say tonight, you know, I know I've heard this for two weeks already, but I'm just keep preaching it tonight, because I kind of feel like this evening, we just need to, we need to get on the same page with Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I've got a long way still to go, and I, I kind of feel like tonight, as I look to John chapter 4, the master sowing shows me what to do, Amen. We have the model sowner that gives me an example that, that in spite of my, 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 my insignificance, God can use you and God can use me. Listen, Jesus went there for one woman, and that woman went, she got on fire for God. You know the goal, the greatest thing can happen in life is not how many people you can influence. The greatest thing can happen in life is that one person you influence who can influence a lot more people than you can. A lot more people than you can. And this woman goes on and does the work of an evangelist who we spoke about last week. I'm going to get an invitation. If you're not enrolled in soul winning, I encourage you to enroll. If you need to be more proficient, I encourage you to get in a class. If you just, you know that you need to get more committed to that. And you're not as committed to it. I said this tonight. It's a prioritization. What gets scheduled gets done. If you're not, if it's not a priority, would you make it a priority tonight? And maybe tonight, just come this evening. Maybe there's some family members that need to get saved. Cindy prayed 19 years for her father to get saved. 17 for her mother. Maybe tonight some of us have gotten kind of lukewarm in our praying. Maybe we just need to come to the altar and say, Lord, I need to... I've got lost members, family members that need to get saved. Listen, most important people got on the ark with Noah was his family. Most important people you need to reach is your family. Take some time today to pray for your family members, co-workers, people. You know, you know a lot more people than I know. You need to reach those people for Christ. Don't delay. Reach them for Christ. Let's find our way to the old-fashioned altar. Let's let God honor the promise in John 15, 16 and John 15, 7. You come as soon as I finish praying. Now, Father, tonight we've tried to give a word of instruction from the model soul winner, our Lord Jesus Christ, as we've seen the fervent priority. Lord, we've seen we've seen the fitting prospect. We've seen the faithful presentation. We've seen the fruitful product. Tonight, Father, I just pray that this evening that you'd help us to the things which we've seen and heard that we do it. Father, we give the invitation. We invite our folks tonight to just come and say, Lord, please use me. I'm in a difficult workplace. I live in a, diff- I live in a difficult community. I've got difficult neighbors. I've got a hard family. But Lord, I pray for their salvation. I pray that we just see God working through those situations and Lord, for things that you'll accomplish. And then Lord, tonight, we pray for our city of San Leandro, San Lorenzo and Hayward, Union City, Newark and Fremont. We pray for Castor Valley and Dublin and Pleasanton and San Ramon and Livermore. We pray for Oakland and Alameda and Berkeley and, Lord, for Albany and El Cerrito and El Sobrante and Kensington and San Pablo and Richmond and, Lord, for Hercules and Rodeo and Pinole and going all the way up to Vallejo. We pray for the Salvation Centers. We have folks, Lord, that come from San Rafael and Santa Rosa. And, Lord, for this great city of San Francisco and the surrounding suburbs. Oh, God, tonight the Bible says Jesus said he must go to a city called Sychar. And tonight we claim our cities once again as a church for the gospel and reaching souls. Father, move us out of our lethargy, our lukewarmness, our indifference, our callousness of heart. And help us realize, Lord, you can use us and you want to use us. Lord, as we come tonight, we come, Lord, not in the flesh, but in the spirit tonight that you might be pleased. Fathers, to give the invitation tonight, I pray your people obey you and follow you in this matter. We pray for this tonight in Jesus' name. Let's stand. If you need to come tonight, I invite you to come. Find your place at the altar and pray with us tonight. Who do you need to pray for tonight? What do you need to pledge to? Do you need to commit to it? Once a month? Maybe you could do a little bit more. Once every six months? I think you could do a little bit more. 
once a year. I think you do a little bit more. And not doing so many your way. The things you've seen and heard in me do. Don't you think we could do more? Don't you think there's family members that you'd like to have sitting next to you in church that can enjoy the preaching of God's Word and see what God can do? What we need tonight are tender hearts, a receptive spirit, desire for God to work. Many have never tried one time. I'm encouraging you tonight to exercise boldness and say, I'm going to try one time. I'm going to try one time to get the gospel, bring you, Pastor, to go meet them. Would you do that tonight? Many in this room, you have hardened family members that need to get saved. Shouldn't you be down the aisle praying for their salvation, getting them into church? Don't you think you ought to be there for that tonight? I invite you to come. I'm not, I'm not rushing this tonight. You, you, we need to be mean business with God. You come tonight. Come tonight. <clears throat> Father, thank you, your people have been very patient in following instruction tonight. And for many, it's just, it's probably very rudimentary for them. But Lord, I pray that we'd catch your heart. Jesus, Lord, I think of all those verses in John 4. Tonight we take an instruction, use it for your glory in our lives. I pray for every soul that's being prayed before you tonight for sinners to be saved. Lord, I pray for this to be a fruitful, productive week for the glory of God. Father, we pray that we'd snatch, we'd see many snatched out of the fire and brought into the kingdom of God. Give us boldness. Give us love. Give us conviction. Help us to prioritize. We pray for many sinners to be saved. And then tonight, bless this week. We pray for tomorrow for the memorial service for the John's family. We pray that many on Les's family members would come to Christ. I'm thankful the Bible says, He that being dead yet speaketh. And we pray that, Lord, through his testimony, that many loved ones would come to Christ, they'd renounce their sins and their false ways and come to Christ. And then tonight, would you have your way in our hearts, even in our home lives tonight? We pray for our home lives, that, Lord, you'd help us with struggles we're going through, and that through these the things we've heard tonight, seen from the Word of God, that, Lord, we can be refreshed and revived in our hearts. And then tonight, Lord, we pray that you'd help those who are sick and ill, undergird them with the blessing of God for their lives. We pray for these things to you, Lord, tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.